Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 28 called The Crown of Glory and the Tested Stone. As one lady put it to a friend of mine who was evangelizing locally, she went to a local church, which will remain unnamed for political reasons. No, I'm just kidding, but anyway. And she said, I don't want to go to church and read the Bible. That's boring. That's a direct quote. That's boring. Oh, what do you want? I want to be entertained. Give me 20 minutes, you know, because I got things to do. People will say, I don't want to read the Bible. What? The Bible is God's word. What else would you want to hear? You want to hear me pontificate for 45 minutes about whatever? I don't think you'd be coming here, would you? I hope not. See, the, the Lord has spoken. And Isaiah's given them the word, but they don't want to hear it. And so here's what Isaiah says. Okay. And God, kinda, God is intervening here. You don't want to listen to it? Here's what's coming. Indeed, he will speak to this people through stammering lips and a foreign tongue. Uh, you don't want to receive what Isaiah is clearly saying to you in your own language? Well, then guess what? The Assyrians, coming, uh, the Assyrians are coming, and when they come, it's going to sound like this to you. Blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. You're not going to understand it, but you're going to get some whips in your back, and they'll probably put a little, uh, you know, good-looking earring through your nose and pull you along. You'll be stylish, at least, as, you know, you're pulled along into slavery. And then when they give you moral instructions in their pagan nation, it'll sound a lot like you think Isaiah sounds. How do you like that? Okay, have a nice day. That's what God says. He says, if you won't listen to me, then you're going to get a foreign tongue. Now go to 1 Corinthians. Paul quotes this in 1 Corinthians 14. What's the section about? The gift of tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 18. Here's what it says. 1 Corinthians 14, 18. I thank God... I speak in tongues more than you all. Paul did not have anything against the supernatural gift of speaking in a language that you have not learned, but listen to what he says. However, 1 Corinthians 14, 19, in the church, the assembled people of God, I desire to speak five words with my mind that I may instruct others also rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. 1 Corinthians 14, 20. Brethren, do not be children in your thinking. Think of the Isaiah passage. Yet in evil be babes, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, here's your Isaiah passage, by men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers I will speak to this people, and even so they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So then, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, But to unbelievers, question, you just read the context of Isaiah. Who were the unbelievers in Isaiah's time that a foreign tongue would be spoken to? Israel. The people of God. And God said, a sign is going to be given to my people. They won't obey 
what is intelligible. They won't obey my spoken word that is clear. So I will send a foreign tongue to come and take them captives and they are going to have to obey them because they're going to be in, a, in captivity. Now, some of you are saying, but 1 Corinthians 14 makes a case for the biblical use of tongues. It does. But it says, if you keep reading, so then tongues are for a sign not for those who believe but to unbelievers, but prophecy is for a sign not to unbelievers but to those who believe. If therefore the whole church should assemble together and all speak in tongues and ungifted Men or unbelievers enter, and they certainly do on when churches meet. Will they not say that you are mad? Have you experienced this? You walk into a church, and everybody is speaking in tongues. Now, for an unbelieving, ungifted person, they look at that and they say, These people are bananas. They have lost their collective minds. What in the world is going on here? It's not intelligible to them, but they are categorized as unbelievers or ungifted. So then the tongue becomes a sign to them. To what, though? Well, the context seems to indicate that they are unbelievers and that God is going to bring judgment if they don't repent. Now, we have heard stories where Something has happened supernaturally that way. It's been uh, done in such a way as orderly and so forth. And someone who was an unbeliever responded to it. And people wrestle over this. They say, okay, so then is it a sign only for unbelievers? Or is it, what is it a sign for? Well, it, it can be a sign to bring belief to an unbeliever because we've heard accounts on the mission field and in pastor's meetings where that's happened. But it can also be a sign of judgment to those who refuse to believe. Example. Jesus spoke in parables. Why did he speak that way? Because certain people would not believe. I think that you can see this kind of as a dual sign. The tongue can come, and for an unbeliever, they might respond to it, but generally speaking, their conclusion is going to be what? It's madness. And then Paul, later on in the chapter, will give instructions for an orderly use of the gift of tongues, which I believe, go back to Isaiah, is primarily in a Christian's prayer life or in a pre-agreed upon believers meeting where it's going to be clear that that gift will be used by believers. So what we have sometimes is, in, and by the way, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14 were written specifically to deal with the unbiblical use of tongues in the Corinthian congregation. So whenever you see something that's causing confusion among people and it's not intelligible to them, I think it's something that we have to look at and say, I'm not sure that that's what God wants. Isaiah 28, verse 12. And he who said to them, here is rest, give rest to the weary. Here is repose, but they would not listen. Think of that context. They would not listen. The offer was made to them for rest, but they wouldn't take it. So the, the word of the Lord to them will be order on order, order on order, line on line, line on line, a little here, a little there, that they may go and stumble backward, be broken, snared, and taken captive. Now when the Assyrians say it to them, it won't be, I sure hope you guys come to the Lord. It will be, Get over there, and if you didn't, don't get over there, I'm going to smash you in the head. That's what it got them. 
That's what God's saying. God's kind of turning their own argument on them. You're going to hear it now from the Assyrians, but it's not going to be a suggestion. It's not going to be, I sure hope you come. It's going to be, you better go over there or I'm going to smash you down. 14. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, O scoffers. Isn't it sad that the scoffers are those people who live in the city of God and the city of faith? Who rule this people, these are leaders, who are in Jerusalem. What's Jerusalem mean? The city of peace. The city where God reigns. And and what happened to the leaders? I don't know. But they tried to make an alliance with the world, with Egypt, and they started scoffing God. And God, in essence, says, well, who are you going to believe, Egypt or me? Who are you going to trust? Me or the world? That's always a choice before the people of God. Because you have said, or you boast, we have made a covenant with death. This is that covenant with Egypt that they did make. And with Sheol, that speaks of the abode of the dead, we have made a pact. The overwhelming scourge will not reach us. This is what they say. Okay, we, we signed the agreement with Egypt, so it's not going to touch us. When Assyria comes through, I know they, what they did to the northern kingdom, but it's certainly not going to touch us because we got Egypt backing us up now. It will not reach us it, 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 when it passes by, for we've made falsehood our refuge. Look at this. And we have concealed ourselves with deception. Hey, we're good. We signed the contract. We're, we're good to go now. Everything's going to be just fine. Ever been there before? How many people signed contracts for dot-com <laughs> stocks? Yeah, we're good. We got, we're rolling, man. The next day, they're in the poorhouse. And God says, you signed a covenant with death. The contract you signed was a deal with the devil. By the way, don't make any deals with the devil because he's going to hell. Don't make any deal with someone who's going to end up in that place. I made a deal with the devil. I'm going to play rock and roll, man, until I'm 78. Well, go ahead and do that. But he ain't going to save you. And in Daniel 9, mark it for your notes, verse 27, the Jews will make a covenant with death with the Antichrist. And it will bring the abomination that brings desolation. You can look at Daniel 9, 27. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am laying... This refers to the future I will lay in Zion. 16, a stone, a tested stone, a costly, New King James says, precious cornerstone for the foundation firmly placed and he who believes in it will not be disturbed. NIV says dismayed. The word means to be in haste. It has the idea of running to and fro in a panic. Modern way to say it, it means freaking out. He who trusts in this precious tested cornerstone will not freak out. Who is the cornerstone? It's Jesus. And this passage, by the way, is quoted all over the New Testament. Uh, just don't have the time, but you can look at Romans 9.33, Ephesians 2.20, 1 Peter 2, verses 6 through 8. Choice and precious is this cornerstone. It's the foundation stone. It's from the stone from which the rest of the building is aligned. And if he is precious to you, he is tested. He, his merit has been proven. He is, he is costly and precious. And if you build upon him, you will live and your life will be aligned to the right way of God. But if you don't, that, that cornerstone will crush you. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
you're invited to our next apologetics event called Dare to Defend. This is something that you're going to want to go to because it's going to bolster your faith and encourage you and give you reasons and answers for the hope that you have. Join some of today's top apologists who will provide real answers to skeptics' toughest questions and equip you with the tools necessary to confront the moral confusion of today's culture. J.P. Moreland talking about miracles. Why do I have to have an answer to this question? I at least know there's a God. Sean McDowell dealing with deconstruction. When I was on the road, I met a man. He goes, I'm his last friend who didn't bail on him. I thought, man, what does it matter with us? John and Claudia Kalmakoff. If they don't have that foundation and they don't know about God's promises and what we know is true, not by what we're feeling, but by facts, historical, archaeological facts, what we know to be true, then their feelings take over. Lenny Esposito, who will deal with the power of the archaeological record. You know, you're doing a construction project, Rome, they were trying to build a subway. And they had to keep stopping because they keep finding stuff. Hey, if you're looking to get further equipped, and we all should be, this is the conference to go to. Dare to Defend begins Friday evening on March 25th at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. Get your tickets now and make sure you have plans to join us. Learn more about Dare to Defend and get your tickets when you visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. See, this is the promise of the coming Holy One, Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. Don't make your alliance with Egypt. The cornerstone is coming. Just trust Him, and I will make justice the measuring line, the... uh, the way to align here speaks of the construction industry, lining it up. What's the, um, when you hang that line, what do you call that? Plumb line. But they don't use plumb lines anymore. Now they use uh, levels and, don't you guys have those cool lasers now? Yeah, that's how you align stuff now. But in, in this idea, the plumb line or the, cor- think of the cornerstone, everything else is measured by it. Everything kind of runs from that line. If that line is true, then everything else is true. And that's kind of how it is with our lives. If we're aligned with the plumb line, then everything else will be aligned in our lives. If we follow God, that's the idea. And so I will make justice the measuring line. Righteousness, these are things that describe Jesus, justice and righteousness, the level. Then hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies. You thought you were hiding there, but you ain't. And the waters shall overflow the secret hiding place where you thought you could... Uh, hide in your refuge of lies and your covenant will, with death shall be canceled. Rubber stamp by God. Sorry, signature is no good. I'm going to cancel your so-called covenant. It's not going to fly. Your pack with shield shall not stand when the overwhelming scourge passes through. Then you become its trampling place. This is the second Passover, but this time you ain't protected. Why? Because you don't have the blood of the lamb on your house. So now when the Passover comes, when the overwhelming flood comes, if you will, this is just an analogy, but you get the point. You're not going to be spared. Destruction's going to land right at your door because you wouldn't trust in the cornerstone. As often as it passes through, this speaks of Assyria coming uh, to and fro upon the nation, which it did several times throughout history. It will seize you. 
For morning after morning it will pass through any time during the day or night and it will be sheer terror to understand what it means. The people will be saying, is this ever going to end? No, here they come again. And God is not protecting us. See how huge this is? It's kind of like they put their security in something. Here's an example. The bed is too short. Now some of you have slept in a children's bed. You ever done that before? Somebody's snoring. You get kicked out of a certain room in the house, whatever it is. And so you get in the, you end up in this bed and your feet are hanging off the bed. Never comfortable. I always think of long flights in coach. You want to sleep? You can't sleep. I flew to Israel and I had an aisle seat and I thought I was looking good. And then this mom and um, her daughter and then a little baby, sir. It's her first time flying. Do you mind if you take the window seat? And the lady that I was sitting next to, let me just put it this, this way to you. She was not only intensely afraid of flying, she was a large woman. And I was up against the window seat for many hours. But I was thinking, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. God certainly has a reason for this. Baby's crying. It's like... Putting your hope in false things is like having a blanket that's too small, verse 20, to wrap yourself in. Ever been there before? It doesn't matter what I do with this blanket. It just doesn't, and it ain't going to cover you, so just forget it. For the Lord will rise up at Mount Perizim. Now, if you trust the Lord instead of the other silly things, the other silly things are like the short bed or the small blanket. They're just not going to do it. He will be stirred up as in the Valley of Gibeon. This is a battle you can... Take note of these two battles, Second uh, Samuel uh, 5.20, and you can also look at Joshua 10, verses 6 through 11. The Valley of Gibeon, to do his task, his unusual task, and to his work, his extraordinary work. The Lord will rise up for those who trust him, just as he did for David, just as he did for Joshua. That's the point. 22. And now do not carry on as scoffers. Don't keep going in this stupidity, lest your fetters be made stronger For I've heard from the Lord God of hosts, Isaiah saying, of decisive destruction on all the earth. The best solution is to run to God. Give ear. Does this sound familiar? Give ear and hear my voice and listen and hear my words. What did Jesus say over and over again? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Does the farmer plow continually to plant seed? Does he continually turn and harrow the ground? Does he not level its surface 25 and sow dill and scatter cumin and plant wheat in rows, barley in its place and rye in its area? For his God instructs and teaches him properly. Look, the farmer's got a plan when he turns over the soil. For dill 27 is not threshed with a threshing sledge, not a big uh, implement, nor is the cartwheel driven over cumin. But dill is beaten out with a rod and come in with a club. You've got to use the right tool for the right seed and harvest. Grain for bread is crushed. Indeed, he does not continue to thresh it forever because the wheel of his cart and his horses eventually damage it. He uh, does not thresh it longer. This also comes from the Lord of hosts who, made, who has made his counsel wonderful and his wisdom great. Here's how it ends. It ends with an agricultural analogy. 
metaphor picture, here's what it is. The farmer turns the soil, he sets up the rows, he's got certain tools for certain seeds and he knows how much the ground needs to be prepped so that the crop can be planted properly with the proper tool and then it can bring forth its harvest. And God knows how much his people can take, how much he's going to break up the fallow ground, how much he's going to get it, turn over the dirt. He's not going to do it forever. And there's a hint of hope here. He's not going to, he doesn't just turn over the ground to turn over the ground. If you go over, if you go in Corona and you try to turn over dirt, you're going to plant something, right? Because you know you put that shovel in Corona and it's going to be, right? So you better have an intention. You're not just trying to sweat, right? I just really like how turned over dirt looks and so I'm just going to turn it over. No, you don't do that. You're turning over the dirt in preparation for what? To plant something. Get the picture. God turns over the dirt for his people because he's getting ready to bring forth new life. He's planting something. Sometimes we feel like that turned over dirt, you know? And it's like, Lord, how long? Are you going to plow forever? I'm ready. And God says, are you ready to receive my implanted word? This Sunday, we're going to study the parable of the soils or the sower. What was the key? What was the soil that produced a crop? 30, 60, 100 fold. It was good soil. That's what God's doing. Sometimes it's painful. Lord, you got the big equipment out now. What's the, the rototiller thing? The big guns are out, Lord. Okay, <laughs> the ground's ready. God says, a little bit more work. A little bit more. Ooh, ah, oh, <laughs> and then the seed comes. See, if the seed comes on hard unprepared ground, what happens? The bird comes and steals it. Or it goes down a little bit, but then immediately it gets scorched, scorched by the sun. It doesn't last. But if the soil's good and it receives the seed and the roots go deep, then what happens? It's going to produce. And God's saying to Israel, you need to be broken up. And God has an intention when he breaks up the soil. He's getting ready to plant and do something beautiful that will bring new life. So don't give up. Hold on. These are the people that he loves. He, he wouldn't spend all this time talking about them if he didn't care about them. But he does some radical things to get their attention, doesn't he? You've been listening to The Crown of Glory and The Tested Stone, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah Chapter 28. Hey, if you miss any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we'd love to connect with our listeners, and that means you. You can email or send Pastor Michael and the team here a letter. We love mail. But our email address is contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. And here's our mailing address. Are you ready? You can write to Pastor Michael at P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. That's P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. And now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. The last verse of Isaiah 28 says this, This also comes from the Lord of hosts, who has made his counsel wonderful and his wisdom great. We're just in a Bible study, a men's Bible study. We're talking about how wisdom is the knowledge of God, his word, and his will. That's what wisdom is, but it's also skillful living to live with skill according to the wisdom of God. That's a great definition. So it's who God is. Wisdom is to know who God is, his word, his will. Think of 
W's here. Wisdom is who God is, his word, his will, and then skillful living according to that word, to negotiate and navigate life well, to apply knowledge is wisdom, and especially, of course, God's knowledge. This is Pastor Michael Lance. We're moving through the book of Isaiah, excited to present it to you. And speaking of being excited, I want to tell you about something I'm excited about. It's the Dare to Defend conference. It's an apologetics conference happening at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. March 25th and 26th, a Friday night and a Saturday, top apologetic voices in this country, including J.P. Moreland, Sean McDowell, Lenny Esposito, Ken Samples, Dr. Jacob Daniel doing one of the breakout sessions, uh, John and Claudia Kalmakoff doing a breakout session. Um, it's just exciting. Dr. Uh, Scott Smith doing something on critical race theory as a breakout session. Uh, that's something that you want to be part of and understand that issue of CRT. Now, it's all happening at the Dare to Defend Apologetics Conference, March 25th and 26th. Seating is limited. And you can get discounts for groups and students. Get to the website now, daretodefend.com, and get your tickets. Daretodefend.com, being hosted by Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. And you can also find out driving directions and everything you need about the church when you go to walkintruth.com and click on the church tab. Excited to present the book of Isaiah to you and the Apologetics Conference Make sure you get your tickets, daretodefend.com. Have a great weekend, and we will see you either Sunday or Monday, Lord willing. God bless you. Don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events too. But our funds are mostly supported by our church in Southern California. Would you please help us pay for the airtime on the radio station you're listening to? A monthly partnership of at least $5 a month is all we ask. Please donate when you visit walkintruth.com. And join us on Monday for Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 29 called Woe O Ariel. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.